Hallelujah. Well, welcome to the visitors today. Amen. I hope you're enjoying yourself so far. I have a powerful word here I want to give. So if you have your Bibles, open them up to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 1 through 4. Anything that we're going to do meaningful for the kingdom of God is going to require boldness. It's going to require getting out of our comfort zones, right? It's going to require some people not liking you for it. Are you willing to do that? For the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. First Corinthians chapter three, one through four. It says, and I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able For you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? Boy, you've got to love the rebukes from the Word. Amen. For when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? You know what we could do? We could throw it in here. We could say, when, when someone says, I'm Baptist, or... I'm this or that, right? Are you not carnal? Do you belong to Jesus Christ or not? Amen? Today I want to talk about a topic that's connected to the thought life. And it has a huge impact on our Christian walk, on our spiritual walk as a Christian. Now, this topic keeps many Christians in bondage emotionally. Say bondage. I hate bondage. It prevents them from walking in the freedom that Jesus died to give them. The the title of my message that I chose today was this, Spiritual or Carnal Conscious. Now, you could also title it this, Spiritual or Carnal Minded. All right? But in true Pastor James fashion, I want to be a little bit more mysterious, right? And here's why. I'll tell you in a minute. But spiritual is talking about things pertaining to the kingdom of God um, and, and the word of God. Carnal is talking about things pertaining to our fleshly desires, to the natural realm, uh, to ourself apart from God, this evil world system, uh, or anything that's opposed to the kingdom of God. Um, and now here you can only be conscious or focus of one of those things at a time. All right. That now here's what I now why did Pastor James why did you choose the word conscious? Here's why. The definition of the word conscious is this, to be aware of or to even be painfully aware of or sensitive to something. All right? That's why I chose the word conscious or consciousness because it's talking about being aware of something. And you're only going to be aware of the spiritual aspect or the carnal. You can only be one or the other at one time. Amen? Amen. So to be conscious, conscious of something means that that thing has your full attention. It has your focus in your, in your life. It, here's, it has your heart. It has your heart. And when something has your heart, I don't know, you you don't have to read too much of Proverbs to find out that the heart is very important to God. In fact, God is the one who says, I want your what? Your whole heart. Oh, that they had such a heart in them that they would fear me or reverence me and and keep my commands that it may may be well with them and their children. Or in in other words, a generations forever. So God wants your heart. Amen. When something has your heart, it rules and runs every area of your life. And that, that's why the Word of God gives so many warnings for us as Christians to guard our heart. Now, it's not talking about your spiritual pump, all right? We better protect that too or you're not going to be around too long. Are you hearing me, somebody? But it's talking about your spirit, man. Guard your heart. Guard your emotion. Guard your soul. Your body, uh, your body, soul, um, Body, what is it? Hold on. Spirit, soul, and body. Amen? So we have to do that. We have to guard it. Because if that has been out of control and you're focusing on other stuff, you are in trouble. 
You are in trouble. In fact, right now, I could say if your life is a mess right now, your heart is in the wrong place. Your focus is in the wrong place. Amen? Your focus is so important that it will determine the direction of your life, your health, and the quality of your life as a Christian. All right? The wrong focus will pull you away from the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why the Word of God warns us. You remember that scripture that says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, right? In other words, be very careful, be very diligent on the decisions you make in life. Amen? Be very careful what you're focusing on. Be careful what you're opening your heart to. So the Word of God puts a very strong emphasis on the thought life. So in this message today, I want to uh, distinguish between what it means to be spiritually focused opposed to carnally focused and how that affects our life. Amen? I want to help pull those Christians out who are in bondage emotionally. Listen, if you're in bondage emotionally, this message is for you. Amen. I mean, this is it. This, it's what are you aware of? What are you conscious of in your life? Are you focusing on God and his word or are you focusing on yourself? Are you focusing on poor me? What's going on in my life? Come on. So the Holy Spirit has given me some powerful points to share with you. Go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. I want to help pull some people out of the ditch this morning. In fact, the word pulpit means it, how it got its name was you're pulling people out of the pit. You're pull, right? You're pulling people out of the pit. So that's what I want to do this morning. So Romans chapter 8, let's look at verses 1 to start off with here. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, here's Jesus, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death. Remember, are you spiritually or carnal conscious? What are you more aware of? What are you giving place to? For to be carnally minded is, is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. I like that better. Because, carnal, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, I'm going a step further, from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give you life, give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. So I have great news for you today. It said Jesus condemned sin in the flesh. I like that. Amen? And all who put their faith in them, they become righteous. Did you know when you got born again, before you even did your first work of righteousness, before you did, even did your first o- obedient thing to God, you were righteous. You became righteous. Isn't that good to know? Now, I want you to notice in verse 4 it said, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Look at this, though. It might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So remember a couple messages ago, I talked about that Jesus Christ, He set us free from sin, right? He set us free to live righteously for Him. He didn't give us a ticket or a license to sin. Amen. But he set us free so we could choose him. Amen? Amen. All right? 
So you got to know that. So we know that our actions are very important to God, right? I mean, it does. It just, it has a huge impact on our relationship with God and it has an impact on the quality of life. We're going to live on this earth. Amen. You need to know though, that you're not trying to get God to love you more by living a holy life. God's going to, God loves you the way you are right now. And you know that, right? Here's the problem. And I said it before. I'll say it again. God loves the people who went to hell. He'll love you all the way to hell. He'll give you, he will give you your free choice to do what you want to do. I don't know about you, but I want to live for him. How about that? Amen. Amen. So can we all agree in this place? We're just going to live for him. Amen. But look at this verses five through six says that those who live according to the flesh set or they focus their minds or thought life on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So we see here, the Word of God clearly separates being spiritually minded from carnally minded. And here's the catch right here. You ready for this? This is why your thought life is so important. And whatever one you choose to focus on determines your actions. Did you see that? He said, those who live according to the flesh set their minds or focus on the flesh. That's why this this message is so important. That's why, what are you conscious of more so? What are you more aware of in your life? The flesh or the spirit? Because that's going to determine the actions in your life. Did you see that? Spiritually minded or spiritually focused, is to be Christ conscious, focused on Him, and it manifests life and peace. And to be carnally minded or focused is to be sin conscious or focused on the things of the flesh, and it manifests death in our life. So this is huge. So, and you know what? As a Christian, here's the thing. It's so easy to forget who we are in Christ. Have you found that out? When you're out in the secular world, when you're on a job where you're just not, not having it, you know, people, man, they're, everything in this world is coming against you. Man, your flesh wants to creep up like that, doesn't it? Come on, somebody. I mean, when the world tries to throw all that stuff in you, and you literally have to stop and make a conscious effort to remember, okay, I'm a Christian. <laughs> Come on, right? I'm in Christ. Okay, let's remember. The, that's why the, the Bible says to keep the word fresh in your heart. Keep it before you. Why? Because it's easy to forget who you are. The book of James talks about the, the, the word of God being like a mirror. It's like we, 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 when we read the word, we're finding out who we are. That's who we really are. The born again us, that's who we really are. But then it says we walk away forgetting who we are. Remember that? So we know then... That the human fleshly nature is to forget who you are in Christ. That's why, listen, it's important. I even make up some note cards of certain scriptures that the Holy Spirit will put upon my heart. And I put them, we'll put them around the house. We'll put them on the house, in the bathroom, on the mirror, whatever. And, and, and some of you just got to stop and remind yourself, right? You had a bad day at work? Come home and start reminding yourself who you really are. Amen. Come on, this is wisdom. we got to keep it before us at all times. So you could say it this way. To be Christ conscious is life. And to be carnal conscious will manifest death in your life. Now, here's the deal. When I talk about death here, I'm not necessarily talking about a physical death. Although, if you're going to stay in the flesh, it's eventually going to lead to that because you're going to open the door to the enemy and a whole bunch of bad stuff will happen, right? But listen to this. Both mindsets, both mindsets, a spiritual mindset and a carnal mindset, both invite and bring forth a manifestation in your body, soul, and spirit. They say it's an invitation. It's either an invitation to the kingdom of God or the kingdom of darkness in your life. The Holy Spirit spoke this to me. Listen to this. He said, anything that manifests death in your life means that thing was never in the will of God for humans to carry or meditate on or to meditate, whatever. So anything associated with death. So what do you got? You got fear, anxiety, all this junk, right? 
The Holy Spirit said, if that is manifesting in your life, that is proving that humans were never created to carry that thing or meditate on that thing. So when it talks about carnal thinking manifesting death, it's talking about anything that's contrary to the Word of God and the kingdom of God. That's why we are not to meditate on anything except what the Word says. Because, listen, again, let me say it again, both mindsets, both consciousness or being aware of either one brings a manifestation of that kingdom in your life. All right? Are you getting this? Is it clear as mud for you today? All right, great. So here's the deal. In Romans chapter 5, it says that through Adam's sin, death entered. So obviously, after Adam and Eve sinned, they did not drop dead on the spot, right? They didn't drop dead. They're still alive. It's talking about a spiritual death, or really what it's talking about is a separation from God. I'm going to talk about that more in a moment, but go with me to Psalm 16. Psalm chapter 16. Uh, I can't overemphasize that enough. Whatever you are focusing on, whatever kingdom you're focusing on, you're inviting a manifestation of that kingdom. Man, I got that in me so strong right now. I can't break away from it. Your thought life is so important, okay? Psalm 16. Let's look at verses 8 through 11 here. Let me pull out some stuff. It says, I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory, and my glory rejoices. My flesh also shall rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. This kind of has double meanings. It's a prophetic word about Jesus, and it has a meaning for believers as well. Verse 11, here it is. I love it. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy, and your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I want you to notice something right here, that this passage connects life with the presence of God. All right? So here's the deal. So so an absence of experiencing the presence of God in your life is connected with death or a separation from his presence. Are you following me? So when I'm talking about death, I'm not talking about physical death. I'm talking about a separation, not experiencing his presence. Are you following me so far? Anything, here, here it is, anything that blocks you from experiencing the, the presence of God in your life is a manifestation of spiritual death. Say spiritual death. And I want you to notice what verse 8 said. Let's pull this out. It says that I have set the Lord before me. I have set him before me. And then it goes on to talk about experiencing the presence of God and it being life and joy to you. All right? So being spiritually conscious and setting the Lord in front of you, that's talking about focusing on him. Are you following me? I'm talking about being spiritually or carnally conscious today. What are you more aware of in your life? So being spiritually conscious, setting the Lord and his word before you, staying focused on him will cause you to experience his presence in a greater way. And so here's the deal. If you're not experiencing his presence in your life, if you're not experiencing that peace, if you're not experiencing that joy, if you are not experiencing any of that good stuff that his presence brings, you want to know the problem? You're focusing on the wrong things in your life. It's that simple. It's not that God is, is running away from you. See, his presence is always here. The question is, are you sensitive to his presence? Are you, here it is, are you aware of his presence? No, 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 here it is. Are you conscious of his presence? Are you following me where I'm going with this here? All right. So you got to know. So if you're lacking any of those things, man, you just, you feel like there's a brass heaven over you. Nothing's going right. I guarantee you, if we sat down and have a nice little chat in my office, I guarantee you we could pick apart and find out your focus is on the wrong thing. Get it back on the Lord. Amen? Amen? Hebrews chapter 12. Go with me there. Hebrews chapter 12. 
the thought life is so important in the life of a Christian. I'm telling you, you cannot, I, I cannot preach enough on this topic. Amen. I mean, probably if you listen to all my past messages, somehow I'm tying in, weaving in the thought life somewhere in there, right? All right, so Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. Look at this. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great of a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance. I'm not a long-distance runner, I'll tell you that much. Endurance? Mm, not with running, but, but God says do it spiritually. Amen? Run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him, notice Jesus' focus, set before Him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So notice it says, looking on to Jesus, continue to run this race. And here's what I found out. When I'm driving or when I'm walking or something, if my focus gets off, I start to go in the direction that I'm starting. You, ever, you know what I'm talking about? If you're driving down the road and you see something on the side of the road, just automatically, right? Subconsciously, you start to go in that direction. And that's what happens in our spiritual walk, when your focus gets off Jesus, when your focus gets off the word, you're going off on the wrong exit. Come on, somebody. A carnal consciousness or focus will cause you to separate yourself from God, which makes you an open target for the enemy. Here's what happens. Ready for this? When you have the wrong focus on the carnal stuff, on the stuff of the flesh, here's what happens. It takes you out of the secret place of the Most High. We are to, come on somebody, we place ourselves in the secret place of the Most High. Amen. We can take ourselves out of that secret place. By the way, it's not meant to be a secret to you, the Christian. It's a secret from the enemy. The props, right? As long as we're in that secret place, man, we are good. Man, the enemy can't, mm. I'm telling you what, he's trying to look for you, but man, he can't find you. But the moment your focus is off, you come out of that secret place. You're an open target for the enemy. Are you following me? Go to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. Let's talk about focus. Let's talk about this. Genesis chapter 2. Let's look at verses 15 through 17 here. Come on, we need to stay in the secret place. Amen? And it says this, um, Genesis 2, 15 through 17. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. Well, that's pretty nice of God, isn't it? But of, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Now, so we see here that God gave Adam the warning not to eat of the tree. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? And after that, after God gave the warning, he created the woman, Eve, right? The one tree, listen, the one tree represents sin or carnal consciousness. The, the one tree that God said, do not eat of that tree, that's sin. That's carnal consciousness here. I want to I just make it that. And all the other trees, all the other trees that God said, sure, go ahead, do what you want, eat from them all. You can have them all except for the one. That's the righteous stuff. That's, that's a spiritual mindset. That's spiritual consciousness over there, right? In, in uh, Genesis 2.25, if you were to look at that right now, it says that Adam and his wife were naked and were not ashamed. All right? So before the fall, Adam and Eve, it says they were naked. They were not ashamed. There was no guilt. Come on, there was no shame. There was a freedom that they were experiencing. Would you all agree with that? Now go with me to uh, Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. 
All right, so we determined. So the one tree God said, don't eat. That's, that's the off-limits thing. I'm going to say that's our carnal or sin-conscious thing right there. All the other ones, that's the spiritual stuff that we're free to have. Amen? So here we go. Genesis 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it lest you die. So guess what? Eve was on the same page as Adam, right? Eve knew what's up, right? All right, verse 4. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. My, my, my. For God knows that in the day that you eat it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree desirable, desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. Look at this. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Adam, what are you doing? Right? Verse 7. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called Adam and said to him, Where are you? Man, what a... Adam, what were they doing? Do you, you do realize, let me just say something. You do realize that this earth was meant for us to live on for eternity. Did you know that? That's interesting to meditate on that fact, isn't it? Verse 10. So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? A lot of times God will answer a question. He already knows the answer anyways. Be upfront and honest with him. Amen. Then the man said, the woman whom you... Oh, now he's playing the blame game. The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave, gave me of the tree and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Now, I want you to notice that the temptation and the lie of the enemy that he used to get inside inside of Eve's thought life was this, on self. Off of God and on herself. Right? Oh, I can be like God. Oh, come on. I can have as much knowledge like God has, right? Eve allowed her focus to shift from her reliance on God and his command back to herself. She took the bait of Satan. All right? Sin or carnal consciousness always focuses on self. Poor me. Things will never work out. Right? Focusing on things from the past, mistakes and failures. See, that's the playbook of the enemy. Why do you think the enemy brings up your past so much to you? He's trying to get it off of God, off of his word, off of who you are in Christ, back on yourself. Amen? Take the focus off of Jesus, off the Word of God, and back on self. But after Adam and Eve ate the fruit, it says that their eyes were open and they noticed they were naked. Notice that. They felt embarrassed. They felt shamed. They covered, tried to cover themselves. Their focus, again, shifted from God back on self. So in verse 8, it says that they heard God walking in the garden. Can you imagine God walking in the garden? Can you imagine that? In the cool of the day, and instead of that intimate closeness they once had with God, they were now trying to hide themselves from Him. Why? Because they shifted from spiritual to carnal consciousness. See, being carnal conscious will open the door to shame in your life and will cause you to avoid God and run away from Him instead of running toward Him. You want to know why? 
Because when you shift your focus off of God, here's what's happening. God's divine order in your life is disrupted. Say divine order. The divine order, the reason God created us was for fellowship with him. And when that divine order is disrupted, shame, guilt, running away from God. I don't want to go to church. Are you following me? Come on. Because the focus now shifts to themselves. It puts, here's what happens. It puts, when you're in that carnal consciousness, that carnal mindset, it puts you in a hyper state of depression, guilt, and shame. You're hype. I mean, it's, it's heightened. Hyper, man, depression, guilt, and shame. It will keep a backslidden Christian, like I said, from plugging into a local church that can help them pull out of the pit. Have you ever seen someone where their life is just such a mess and it's like, and you're just kind of sitting there going, just come, we can help. I know exactly your problem. We can pull you out of this pit. Amen. There's also a proverb that says a dog returns to its own vomit. You following me? My goodness. A local church service, you know, when you come here, you should have a feeling of hope built up spiritually and conviction from the Holy Spirit, right? Now, conviction is different from condemnation. Conviction is, man, okay, here's an issue in my life. I need to change it. There's hope. I'm going to change. Condemnation is, you dirty sinner, you're going to hell and nothing going to change that, right? All right? Conviction is from the Holy Spirit. Condemnation is from the enemy. So I'm talking about, you know, Carnal consciousness in a person's life, it hinders their relationship with God and it keeps them at that fleshly level. So to be Christ or spiritually conscious is to be spiritually minded, all right? Knowing who you are in Christ, amen? And what belongs to you in the Word of God. So uh, Genesis 3.11, God asked Adam and Eve, who told you that you were naked? Who told you that you were naked? So my question to you is, who told you that you're no good? Amen? Who told you that you're a failure and God doesn't have an amazing plan for your life? Who told you that? Who are you listening to? Do you feel like you're drowning in a sea of guilt? Do you feel like you're drowning in a sea of shame? Do you feel like you're drowning in a sea of regret today from your past? Get your eyes off of yourself and back on Jesus. Back on the Word of God. Amen? Your Heavenly Father is waiting. He's waiting for you to look Uh, to look at Him and desire His presence again. He's just simply saying this, shift your awareness, your focus back on me. That's what He's waiting for. It's that simple. The moment you take your focus off of yourself, the moment you take uh, your focus off of the junk of the enemy and back on Jesus, here's what's going to happen. That peace is going to flood your soul, your mind, will, and emotions. Amen? And it will start to dictate your imagination. How many of you, when you hear something, when you hear something, you automatically picture the negative right away, right? Go to Isaiah 26.3. Go to Isaiah 26.3. When the peace of God floods your, your soul, your mind, will, and emotions, it dictates your imagination. Say imagination. Imagination. Yes, imagination. God created your imagination. You use your imagination more than you think you use your imagination. Oh, that's new age. No, it's not. God created it. The new age took it and they twisted it. They perverted the meaning of it. Amen? Amen. I don't know about you, but I want to take this stuff back for how God intended it. Amen? Why are we letting, why are we letting all these reprobates take what God meant for good? Amen? Amen. Let's, put it, let's put it to work for the purpose of the kingdom of God. Isaiah 26.3, look at this. This is, this is like one of my favorite verses. I love it. It says, you will keep him in perfect peace. Here it is. Whose mind, whose consciousness is stayed on you because he trusts in you. So does anybody in this place, do you need or desire perfect peace in your life today? Does anybody want that today? Amen. The Word of God tells us how to open the door to that perfect peace. It tells us that our mind, our thought life needs to be focused on Him. 
Now, let me show you something real cool about this. I said it before, but we got some visitors, so here we go. The word mind, all right? You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Here we go. The word mind in that literally means this, creative imagination. Creative imagination. Isn't that wild? You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind or creative imagination is stayed on him because you trust in him. See, you can only trust someone that you know something, you know something about them. Amen? We can trust God completely because his word reveals promises. Do you know the word of God says fear not 365 times. There's one fear not for every day of the year for the rest of your life. Did you know that? This book is supernatural. Amen? Amen. I love that. According to Isaiah 26, uh, 3 here, here we go. Our focus on God and who he is from his word allows us to trust him, right? So we got our focus on him, and because we know him, we trust him. That's the first step. And that trust, here we go, that trust causes us to have a creative imagination, where we start to see ourselves on the inside walking in his promises for our life. Are you seeing that? Our trust dictates the imagination process. And that in turn keeps us in perfect peace. I guarantee you, if you're not in peace today, I guarantee you your imagination is running wild today on everything. Amen? Amen. So, Have you noticed in your life that whenever you take your focus off of God and his word, it attracts fear. It attracts every negative emotion possible. Have you found that out yet? I know I have. Listen to this. Peter walked on water until he took took his focus off of Jesus. You know? I mean, he takes a lot of flack for falling in the water, but any of you walked on water lately? Come on, somebody. Amen? Amen. Peter indeed did walk on water, and, but he, the moment he took his focus off of Jesus, he sunk. Now, this tells me this, that if we will keep our focus on Jesus, it will open the door to the supernatural power of God in our life. The moment you take your focus off of God and his word, it's done. The supernatural is done. You cut yourself off from it. Amen? See, we were created, like I said, we were created to put him at the very center of our life. Like I, he created us to fellowship with him. That, you know, his original intent is still his intent today. You know that? It didn't change. But when that original intent or that purpose is not being fulfilled, that attracts the opposite kingdom and the curse into our life. I'm telling you, whatever kingdom you're focused on. Now, it, now, if you're focused on something that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's not a God thing, it can still open the door to the enemy. Are you following me? It might be good, but it's not God. Oh, this is the importance of where you better find the will of God for your life and flow in it. Amen? All right. So carnal consciousness or awareness is the greatest hindrance, the Holy Spirit said, to receiving healing and deliverance. Why? Because you will feel like you're never good enough. You will feel like you're never worthy to be healed or delivered. Well, I got news for you. Guess what? In our own self, that's true. We're never going to be good enough. Amen? But we're in Christ and he is good enough. Are you following me? There's, a, there's an account in the Old Testament here that I want to end on that is, has some powerful truth. Um, it's a powerful reminder about the importance of our focus and how the wrong focus can take us down the wrong road and even a very dangerous road. Turn with me to Numbers chapter 21. Numbers chapter 21. The Holy Spirit totally illuminated this, this account to me. When I was in my office and in writing this message, the Holy Spirit put that so strong on me. He said, put this in your message. And I said, yes, sir. Amen. Numbers 21, verses 4 through 9. Let's take a look at here. It says, Then they journeyed from Mount Hor 
by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and our soul loathes, loathes this worthless bread. Man, these people, really? Come on now. So the Lord sent, fi- the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they, bit, and they bit the people, and many of, the pe- of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Moses is such a nice and forgiving guy, right? (laughs) Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. And it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, shall live. So Moses took a bronze serpent and put it on a pole, and so it was. If a serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. Now, this is powerful. The children of Israel, did you notice? It says the children of Israel became very discouraged. Very discouraged in their soul, in their emotions, in their thought life. They, here's what happened. They were focused on the wrong thing. Now, think about this. God just delivered them from the bondage of slavery for years. Are you kidding me? They're seeing miracles of God. They were in bondage to Pharaoh in Egypt. God took them out. God's providing food supernaturally. God is taking care of these people. And they start to complain. Are you kidding me? Now, if this is not a snapshot of human nature, I don't know what is. That's why miracles don't even get people saved. They've seen the biggest miracles God could do, right? And they still complained. It takes a heart change on the inside. God was supernaturally providing for them, but it wasn't good enough. They forgot how bad it was in Egypt. God, listen to this, you ready for this? God delivered them from the bondage of Egypt, but they didn't get Egypt out of themselves. God physically took them out of Egypt, but Egypt was still stuck in their hearts. My goodness. Carnal Christians always want to return to bondage. How many times has God delivered us out of a horrible situation, but we forgot about that? And instead of praising and thanking Him, our focus is off and we start to complain about more stuff, which reinforces the emotional bondage we're in. Are you following me? So the children of Israel start to complain. They complain not only about God, but they start to complain about Moses. See, this is what many people don't understand about this. In in God's divine order, God chose Moses as their leader, did he not? God chose Moses as as their leader. So guess what? God took that as a personal shot against him. Did you follow that? What... What we have in this account, this is what it boils down to. We have a large group of people that are focused on the negative things instead of what God is doing in their midst and what God has done. Again, that is a carnal consciousness. That's carnal awareness instead of being spiritually aware of things of what God is doing. Amen? It went from, here's the, here's the progression it went down. If these are the steps that went down here. It went from the wrong focus, then it went from wrong focus to sin. And then it brought judgment on the people. Not good. Man, it's, man, it's getting quiet in this little church here today. But God sent fiery serpents and many people died. I, don't, I mean, God was pretty angry, wasn't he? I mean, so this tells me that... Now, this is, by the way, the same God that we serve today. Are you following me? God wants... That's why the Bible says, be thankful. 
Be thankful. Praise Him. Are you following me? So the people approached Moses after God sent the fiery serpents and said, Moses, man, we really messed up here. We have sinned. We've spoken against God. We've spoken against you. Pray that God will take this away. So Moses prayed and God told Moses, he gave him some instructions. He said, hey, make a a bronze serpent, set it on a pole and whoever looks on it is going to be healed. It's too bad for the ones who already died, right? I mean, my goodness. But that's the consequences of it, you know. The bronze serpent on the pole, by the way, was a type of Christ, all right? It was a type of Christ hanging on the cross, taking our sin, taking sickness, disease, and every evil thing upon himself. So it was a type of Christ. The moral of this account is to get your eyes off of yourself and get your eyes off of your sickness, get it off of your disease, get it off of your infirmity. Stop complaining, Whatever situation you're going through, I guarantee you complaining will not pull you out of it. But I guarantee you this, if you will start praising, just like Paul and Silas in Acts 16 in the prison, they started praising God in the prison. Would we be spiritually strong enough to praise God in a prison? But you know what? When they started praising him, an angel came and delivered them out of that prison. Amen? So start thanking and praising God for what he has done in your life and who you are in Christ instead of focusing on the negative. There is, there is a horrible thing running in the body of Christ, and it's called negativity. People, we have nothing to be negative about. Yeah, we go through trials. We go through hard times. I get it. But if you will stay positive in the midst of it, man, God will pull you out and you will start, you will just be amazed at what he will do. Amen? Now, here's the deal. The Holy Spirit showed me something that was, it changed my life when he spoke this to me a while back. He said, complaining is praise and worship to Satan's kingdom. Think about that. Boy, that'll shut our mouth real quick, wouldn't it? Because everything in the Bible tells us, be thankful, be thankful. I mean, you can't, there's so many places. Be ye thankful, be thankful, right? Complaining is praise and worship to Satan's kingdom and what he's doing. And that's why it attracts curses from the kingdom of darkness. Because complaining is the opposite, obviously, of giving thanks. If we respond in the flesh, a fleshly manifestation will be the fruit. If we respond in the spirit sense, we will reap from the kingdom of God. See, the whole thing, the, whole, the very nature of faith is praising Him when you don't even see it. That's the whole essence of faith. But many Christians got it all backwards. They're like, I'm not going to thank God. I'm not going to be thankful. I'm not going to praise Him until He turns it around. Listen, faith is doing it when you don't feel like doing it. When you don't even see it changing. You praise Him. You thank Him. You give Him thanks for the answer before you even see it. And that brings a manifestation from the kingdom of God into your life. So stop speaking what the enemy's doing in your life and start speaking the word of God. Think about that. Faith is speaking the promises of God into that, that negative situation. If it wasn't a negative situation, you wouldn't need faith. Are you following me? So, you know, we need to get a fresh revelation of who we are in Christ. That will rock our world. I'm telling you, it'll change your situation around. So to end it, carnal consciousness is really pride because it focuses on yourself. It focuses on your fleshly desires. It's It's really, it's a false humility that the devil's using to keep you in bondage. Church, so let's lift up our eyes. Amen. Let's lift up our eyes and let's get back with Jesus Christ. Let's get our eyes back on Jesus Christ. Get them back on the word of God. Amen. Get them back to the, let's get back to the freedom and the power that God has for his people. Amen. Start speaking his word and not what's going on in your life. Come on, stand up.
And that's not ignoring what's going on. That's not denying what's going on. It's speaking His power into the situation. We know, listen, it doesn't take a rocket scientist. We know your life's a mess right now. Right? We know your life is a mess, but speak the word into that situation. Amen? Amen. Give power to the word, not the situation and the circumstance. So maybe there's someone in here. You've never made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life. Today is the day of salvation. Listen, we don't know when you're going to take your last breath. And if you come to this service today, I couldn't with a good conscience not give someone an opportunity to get born again today. Because you don't know when you're going to take your last breath. So if you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, I want you to come up here after the service. And I want to pray with you. Come on. Get born again. Now's the time. Today's the day of salvation. Because you don't know about tomorrow. Now, maybe you're in this place. You made Jesus Lord of your life a long time ago. But, you know, you've fallen away. In fact, maybe what I was speaking today about that carnal conscious. Uh, consciousness, awareness, that's more, that's you. You've fallen into the flesh. You've fallen into the devil's trap, amen, that Eve fell into, that Adam fell into, and you want to come on back, you want to rededicate your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. If, if you want to rededicate your life, come up here. We'll stay here as long as you want, and I want to pray with you, amen? Now, maybe you're in this place, you've never received the Holy Spirit baptism, come up here, we'll talk about it, we'll pray with you, get baptized in the Holy Ghost. Jesus said you will receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Amen? You need prayer for healing, a family member, anything else. You need prayer for anything else, come on up here. And I want to pray with you. But the Lord is really trying to get our attention. I can feel it with our thought life. It's so easy. Listen, by default, we fall into. By default, we fall into negativity. You actually have to do something on purpose to get out of that place. So get out of that place. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Prayer call Tuesday night at 7. Prayer here on Wednesday night. Uh, Men's meeting at 8 a.m. on Saturday. Oh, and prime timers. Yo. Yeah, lift your hand. If you're a man, you're coming on Saturday morning to the men's meeting. Lift your hand. Or you want to be a man. All right. All right. So yeah, stop and see Chris if you're gonna if you're gonna come to the men's meeting. There you go, huh? Yeah, <laughs> Paul or Chris? Yes. <laughs> All right. So um, have a great week, everyone. If you need to talk to me, you know how to get in touch with me. Grab a card in the back. Love you all, visitors. I hope you enjoyed it today. See you again. God bless you all. Have a great day and week.